Welcome to Spirited Word. By God's Word proclaimed, the Holy Spirit works faith in God's grace in Jesus, when and where He pleases. Sermons by Pastor Adrian Kitson, Lutheran Church of Australia. The word for today is written in the 20th chapter of the Gospel according to John, beginning at the first verse. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot, and they asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realise that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my Father and your Father to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, O Christ. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. We pray. Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts this morning be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. In Christ's name, amen. Please be seated, folks. Friends, I don't believe that I would be here and I don't believe you would be here in this church, in this local church, in this community, in this faith, in this peace, in this hope, in this uh, faith and love and all of those words, if we didn't have mentors. And I would love to hear stories about your mentors and who those mentors were and have been that have got you to this place so far. There are all kinds of mentors, I guess, uh, I know that in my life, I stand on the shoulders of those who have mentored me, alive or dead. I visited Christian Life Week during the week on Wednesday, spent most of the day and the night down there. Christian Life Week is a week long of mentoring. It's older young people mentoring younger young people in a beautiful way, a lovely way. Mentoring them in the gospel faith, in the practicalities of living the Christian life which is never easy for any aged person. 
So that was a good thing. And I reflected upon that and I thought, well, isn't that what a local church is too? Don't we mentor each other? Somehow God uses us to speak to each other and to help each other and to shape each other in the gospel faith in this community. That's what a local church is, don't you think? We're kind of passing the baton uh, to each other every time we share our lives together and we share the word together and somehow Jesus works in our words and in our person to help someone else and to instruct and teach and shape another person. A local church, a mentoring community of all ages and all sizes and all backgrounds and stories. And the reality is that we need mentors. You have needed your mentors at work and in faith and in marriage and in parenting and all the things in your life. Me too. That's the way it is. We human beings need to be taught and we need to understand and we need other people to help us whether we find other people in books or we find them down the street or we find them in our family or we find them in our church community or we find them anywhere. The Lord uses people to teach people and that's just the way it is. You know, we've always remembered as Christians, we've always remembered those who have gone before us in the faith and we've always been reminded to remember them as examples of the faith. Old Testament, New Testament, many people. On the other hand, we Lutherans have never prayed to or invoked the name of the saints, those who have gone before us. As Luther so poignantly put, as he often does, we have everything a thousand times better in Christ. So don't need to invoke their name or pray to the saints. Why don't you just pray to him and invoke his name, which is a thousand times better than any saint. But on the other hand, he was always one to raise up those in the scriptures for us to remember and learn from. Mary Magdalene, she is an interesting person and she is a person that is worth remembering now and again to see what we see and to hear what we see about our life. We see her often as a deranged woman suffering from being possessed by the demonic while others view her as even a little more than that as some kind of woman of ill repute, a fallen woman, maybe even a prostitute. The second part of that is completely unprovable in the scriptures. There's no link to Mary Magdalene and that. While the facts about Mary's life are sketchy, and we might put Dan Brown's Da Vinci Code away at this point, one thing is perfectly clear. Jesus loved her, and she loved him. Her story will forever remain entwined with the resurrection of Jesus, as we've just read. She was the first. She was the first to carry that amazing message, I've seen the Lord. He's alive. Go and tell the other 12. She was the first. Now, as you know, probably from when you were a kid, if you grew up in the church and you went to Sunday school, there's about 4,000 Marys, and it's really hard to know which Mary is who in the New Testament. Maria, you know, in their time was an extremely common name, obviously. 
So Mary, this Mary is distinguished by where she comes from. Mary the Magdala, from Magdala, the place called Magdala, which is a seaside town up in the north of the country, not too far from Capernaum, which is where Jesus' northern ministry mainly happened, around the Sea of Galilee. So we know that she came from Magdala, and we know nothing of her family, and we don't even know whether she was married, and we don't even know how old she was. But she seems to have been a woman who maybe had not so many family obligations because she was one of, some people would argue, up to a dozen women who supported the ministry of Jesus and the disciples travelling around in his mission. So she was free enough to do that. Uh, Her story is quite large. It's one of a person being moved from darkness and the demonic oppression and possession and terrible despair, really, to a wonderfully devoted disciple with hope and peace. She'd been possessed, it says in Luke's Gospel, by seven demons. Wow. Seven's a big number, as you know, in the Jewish uh, scheme of things. So whatever Mary was in, it was big and very dark and very... um, oppressive, spiritual, physical, psychological, maybe even long bouts of mental illness. Who knows? Whatever it was, it was dark. And whatever darkness she was in, Jesus freed her from that darkness just by his touch, by the touch of his powerful word. You can read that in Luke chapter 8. And as a result, she became not alienated, but befriended. She belonged. She had a mission. She had purpose. She had people. She had a saviour. She had a life. She had light. She showed great love and devotion to the community in which she was placed, that fledgling little community of Jesus, as she followed the disciples and Joanna and Susanna and a number of other women who were named and some unnamed in that little community. Mary gave both personal and financial support to the ministry of Jesus, that seems clear, as she followed him in the mission. And even more, you know, and this is probably where Mr. Brown gets his interesting stuff from in his Da Vinci Code and Angels and Demons and all of that, Mary seems to have been a very significant person in that community. Do you know that she's mentioned 14 times in the New Testament? Uh, and when she's mentioned with other women or other people, she's always named first. Mary's also mentioned alone specifically five times. And there, in those five accounts, she's always directly related to the resurrection of Jesus, the very centre and pinnacle of the Gospels. So it's quite clear that Mary responded to Jesus with her very life and she gave her time and her skills and her gifts And she was moved from a lost and alienated and alone and unwell person to a faithful friend and co-worker in the gospel of Jesus, in the community. And her thankfulness for the new life and hope that Jesus was given or gave her, that wasn't the thing that really sustained her, as thankfulness isn't enough to sustain us in our Christian life. No, the resurrected Jesus would go on to sustain her. 
He's the one who sustains us in our Christian life, not just our own thankfulness. As Paul says, you are God's children. He sent Christ to save you, or to save us, and to make us wise and acceptable and holy in our life. So how would you describe Mary Magdalene? From what I understand, I would describe her as faithful friend and co-worker. She was among the last at the cross, at the crucifixion, to witness Jesus' death, and she was the last to leave his tomb after night had fallen. She comes back in the pre-dawn light, the first to come back before it's light, on that Easter morning to honour Jesus by anointing his body with spices and perfumes. And so she was the very first to visit the tomb. She was the first to encounter the resurrection and carry that world-changing news. I've seen the Lord. He's alive. Seems to me that Jesus honoured her by giving her that place and gave her that life and that message and that meaning in her life, in that community. He commissioned Mary to be the first messenger of the resurrection. How about that? It was her job to go to the others and tell them, and she did. So what about you and Mary? There's something strange about Mary. What about her, and what about you, and what about us? Seems to me that her story is your story, and your story is her story, and we're together entwined in the story of the resurrected Jesus. Jesus has reached into your very being and has resurrected you from seven demons in that moment of baptism and every day since that he's sustained you by his touch, by his word, by his own body and blood for forgiveness and life over and over and over again. You've been rescued from being alienated and from despair and any hopelessness to life and freedom and hope and love and all those gifts. Our resurrection happened at your baptism and it's happened every day since. And we're thankful like Mary was thankful and we have responded to the good news with our very lives. Isn't that what being Christian is? We live in the new community like Mary lived in the new community. We're given a task, we're given a place, we're given a purpose. We live, we praise, we act, we support, we work, we love, we give, we travel with him in this gospel journey together as his people. And like Mary, it's not her thankfulness that keeps us faithful or our own thankfulness that keeps us faithful. It's him. He keeps us faithful no matter what. He's the one who sustained Mary. He's the one who will sustain you wherever you are and whatever has happened. So it seems to me, can you see in Mary just how much Jesus Christ can do for you? Can you see just how much Jesus can do for a person? I think in Mary's life, in her story, it's pretty obvious he can do a lot. And on the other hand, as you look at Mary, you can see how much you can do for him and how much we are to do for him and with him like she did with her community. And one more thing, I guess. In Mary, 
Jesus shows how women are to be regarded by all among God's people. Valuable, respected partners in the work of the gospel we all share to share the love and hope of Jesus with anybody. So it seems to me, friends, on this day that Mary Magdalene's story is your story and that's why she's worth remembering along with all the saints. She was strengthened by grace and she was helped by faith. And she was given much and she was loved much and she was spoken to by the Lord of love much and touched by his love and his compassion and his conviction and most of all by his resurrection. And she was given a community to live that in and share that in and be that in. So have you. In the name of Christ. Amen. Heavenly Father, by your Holy Spirit, let this word sink deep into our heart and produce your good fruit. In the name of Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening. Pastor Adrian serves at St. Petri Lutheran Church, New York, Barossa Valley, South Australia. St. Petri.org.au